The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. And for this very special edition of the two-man power trip, we're going to be talking about the top five WrestleMania matches of all time. Joining me today is the man from the Humming Media Group and also plays a major role for the two-man power trip as well. He is Mr. R-B-V. Hey, what's going on, Rick? Thank you, Paz. Yes, that is correct. The RBV from the HMG, Richard Bronson Vickery. Hey, it's uh, yeah, I've been working with you here for a couple months. You said a contributing part here at the two man power trip, driving it behind the scenes as we continue to, to build our, our tremendous Patreon following and that incredible library that you got there. And, and then we're we're starting to expand a little bit, you know to refocus in on our YouTube efforts. So we got so much going on, but yeah, also uh, an on-air personality over at the Hameen Media Group and along at the uh, hittingthemarks.com as well. But hey, an absolute pleasure to, to be on with you. Thank you uh, for finally getting on and finally get you on to one-on-one uh, -on -one anyway. I know we've done a bunch of stuff for like Rad Rob and uh, Turnbuckle Talk and stuff, but it's good to get you one-on-one. -on -one. We've got a big uh, thing coming up at the end of the month here in April with Vince Russo. He'll be joining the Patreon for a Q&A. We'll have more on that later, but it looks like it's going to be Thursday, April 29th at 9.30 Eastern. So that'll be fun, right? I mean, that's going to be I, a good time. I was going to say a little bit of a teaser there for the big yeah. announcement. <laughs> yeah. I know when we threw out there, you know, that's over on Patreon. The uh, the two man power trip empire the TMPT empire Patreon uh, that's part of our legends house party tier. Uh, you know, last month a great roundtable, very relaxed. Anything kind of goes, just let it flow, have a good time. We had Doctor Tom Pritchard. You know, that was a tremendous, tremendous conversation that we had with him and, and the other guests there. But this one right here, you know, from day one. We were talking about those big names, and I said, hey, yep. we want to hit a home run. Let's go get the the architect of the Attitude Era, you know, one of the greatest minds of professional wrestling, Mr. Vince Russo. Yeah, quite a good one. Uh, had a nice little chat with him uh, today about it. Going to be good. It's going to be fun. Uh, anything goes, which is which is really cool. You know, sometimes you can get some crazy with those questions that you may not get answered someplace else or may not be allowed to be elsewhere, so it will be answered on the Q&A. So that's really going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. 
Now, speaking of today and what we want to talk to you on the special edition of the two-man power trip, the top five WrestleMania matches at WrestleMania is right around the corner. When I say WrestleMania and top matches, where does your mind go? Uh, you know, I'm, you know, and I, so many individuals, when they think top matches, it, they immediately go to the technical aspect, the, the movesets, that, that dance in, you know, in between the ropes there at the ring. Uh, for me, professional wrestling is always at its best when it is more focused on, on characters, moments, and emotion. So I, when I'm looking at it and ranking, you know, my favorite matches inside of WrestleMania, wow, 30, you know, we're going up 37 WrestleManias, 36 in the can, maybe an average of what, 10 to 12 matches, give or take per, I mean, all the matches to choose from here. And to try to just get that down to five and, and, and truly remember about how they moved you in that moment. And, and that's how I attack this thing. Uh, obviously, I understand the importance of, yeah, it, you need someone with that technical prowess that, that understands, that is a, you know, that understands the dance because that's going to truly add to that storytelling. But man, I, I want that, that whole scope, that full scope, that entire range. It was kind of tough to narrow it down to just the five, Foss. I totally agree. And it's funny, like I, I had five kind of immediately. And then I kind of went back and I was writing down a bunch of matches that just immediately, really, when I say WrestleMania, I'm like, ah, oh, that match is awesome. That match is awesome. That match is awesome. So there are so many other matches that could be included. I just wrote them down as honorable mentions. And maybe given it like a different day of the week or maybe how I'm feeling a certain day those matches could actually slip into my top five and another match might pull off, but I'll stick with the original five that first came to mind. And, but we'll also talk about some honorable mentions as well. We'll even talk about some performances that I just really, really enjoyed, which is maybe not necessarily one match, maybe a couple matches that the uh, person or persons had throughout the night. Uh, very nice, man. So you, we're going to get it rolling with the honorable, honorable mentions before we dive in. Yes. So kind of one that, we were talking off air about how anytime I think about great WrestleMania matches, my mind always goes back like 30 years. And then, you know, you work kind of work your way around there because I feel like none of the modern WrestleManias really are great. I don't know. Call me crazy. Just haven't really enjoyed them in many, many years. But I think like the last one I really, really enjoyed was probably WrestleMania 30. Um, and then before that, I think it was probably WrestleMania 20. So it's like, man, it's like, there's not many that I've kind of enjoyed all the way through or thought were great shows, but there are matches and moments that stick out in each mania throughout the years. Maybe not last year, but, uh, actually, yeah, Undertaker, AJ just stick out to me actually last year. So there are stuff that sticks out each year, but just thinking back, WrestleMania 25, one of the worst WrestleManias of all time, easily to me, one of the worst, just awful did have one shining moment, one great match, one match that stood above all the others. HBK, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. This wasn't the career versus streak match. This was the year before, which was, to me, a little bit more unpredictable because WrestleMania 26, I really felt like, okay, Michaels is, is definitely retiring. He's definitely done. This year, I thought, oh, they actually might let Michaels break the streak. I know I was even teased a little bit just with the buildup and, and the God versus the devil, the black versus the white. But then they really delivered on the match and the crowd was nuts. And then you go back and you look like, was that like the best match in the show? And then you're like, yes, by far. Should that have been the main event? Maybe. So you just go back and think, I, I just honorable mention 
one of the only modern matches that I really, really got into was Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 25. I, w- I would agree with you there. And I actually had that on that short list, just maybe on the outside. Man, I, I, you really felt that energy, the, the light and the darkness. And, you know, how it was really so public of, of the the rebirth, you know, the, the re- finding his faith in Shawn Michaels and, and that story and, you know, going in to challenge the darkness. Now, I, it, to me, it's kind of a coin flip between, it, you know, if that first go around or the second go around, because it was just great how they tied those together. Good, and, and, good and, matches, yes. Well, great. and then you get into that emotion of it. So you had, you know, a year where this really just festered inside of Shawn Michaels, you know, for him to come back and be like, you know what, if I'm going to reach deep down and be able to dethrone, you know, the undertaker at WrestleMania to end this streak to truly claim my spot as Mr. WrestleMania, I got to put it all on the line. I got to, I got to have, everything and nothing to lose. And, and I really like that there, but I, I didn't like, and I, you really could get into that. And it, the WWE, one of the things, you know, many of faults and fans can, can get on them on so many situations. If it's about promotional superstars, if it's about creative direction, but their, their production is top notch. It's one of the finest in the world and, and how they presented this thing and, and put together these packages I mean, it, it give you chills up and down your spine, you know, get, you know, just before we've got the bell to ring, you're heavily invested. And then of course, two of the greatest performers in modern professional wrestling, uh, actually go up there and just tear the house down. Not just once, but twice w- within that year's run. They got great chemistry and they I mean, they've had great chemistry all going all the way back to 97. You know, they just always had great matches together. Uh, everyone probably remembers the first hell in a cell match. I mean, just, They've been phenomenal together in, in one, the one-on-one capacity. Well, so many moments between them. Yeah, I, I really like the you know, the, you know the setup into, you know that hell in the cell situation. You know, going back to heart and soul at the at SummerSlam. Yep, we had Michaels just involved in a referee capacity. You know, and everything that went down there with the Undertaker and Bret Hart and every it, it, it's just I mean that was that's where you got great characters, great storytelling. And it just brings out great emotion in the audience. So Undertaker, HBK WrestleMania 25, definitely honorable mention. Some people put it in the top five. I wouldn't argue. It was definitely a great match. It's funny. We were talking about star ratings and stuff before. And for some reason, that did not get five stars from Meltzer. I was laughing like, that's 4.75. Sometimes I just laugh because, yes, it's still a great match. It doesn't really matter what he thinks, but it's just like, why wouldn't he just give it the five? What, what was his problem? Is he anti WWE? Like, why not just go all the way? Because what was that match really missing? And it's like, oh, it's what I was feeling at the time. It didn't feel like five stars. It's like, okay. You know, it, it kills me about this. And I, I told you this before when we were having private conversations. But I absolutely, maybe more than anything in professional wrestling. Right? There's one other thing. But the, the second, I absolutely despise the star rating system. You know, if you're going to go along with that, give me a criteria. Let me know, you know, the parameters of how you're measuring something. That's just about how you feel on a day or if you're in someone's back pocket or, you know, you have to be personal buddies there. Or even when anyone, you know, just, you know, is in our position as you're working as a journalist or a fan or anything like that. And you're just randomly, arbitrarily just assigning this here. No, it doesn't. It doesn't fly with me. 
it's probably number two on things I wish would just go away in professional wrestling. Number one, if you're curious, is you deserve it. You de no, you don't you don't deserve things in professional wrestling. You earn things. I agree. Totally, totally agree. So just putting it in perspective, I would have gave that match five stars if I were rating a ranking. I just one of those things that's like it was a it was the absolute the twenty-five match. 26 is great too, but for some reason 25 to me, I just thought was the perfect match to Melter. Who knows what he's thinking, but moving on to the next honorable mention, Brett, the Hitman Hart, who is best basically going to make this list a few times, but versus Rowdy Roddy Piper, WrestleMania eight. Love that match. It's actually my favorite match of the night. I know Flair and Savage have an awesome match too, but I don't know for some reason, the uh, Bret Hart versus Piper match. Just absolutely love it. Just, uh, the intrigue of it, the promo beforehand, the fact that Brett uh, blades, but nobody realizes that he bladed. Uh, it really looked like Piper gave him that uppercut. And I mean, it looked vicious. So it looked like, wow, he cut him open with that. Then later on, he has the, you know, the kind of change of heart where he, he's going to hit him with the belt. He decides not to. The finish was at that point was very innovative uh, of Brett. Awesome match. I absolutely love that match. I say it's awesome that you had mentioned that, that one there, Paz. You know, for so many people, the match, uh, the match of the night there at WrestleMania eight. And one of those that, you know, sticks out in definitely in a top 10 for so many fans. What's absolutely incredible there. You talk about making the most with the time you're given. They had between eight and nine minutes to go out there, put this thing together on the undercard for the intercontinental championship. It's what's even, it's even better that you, that you mentioned that just last week, I had a great conversation with one Mr. Roger Ruffin. He's the, the owner, the promoter, and trainer uh, for a local promotion here in Cincinnati, Ohio, known as the Northern Wrestling Federation. He just happens to be the referee in that match. Really? Didn't even yes. realize that. Holy crap. Wow. He, he was the referee in that match. And we, we talked about it a little bit. And for him, uh, they it's funny. They had called him a month prior. And it was regular if they were running here in, you know, the Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan, just, you know, the couple little, the Ohio Valley here, really. They would call him regular. So he'd work shows for him before, but nothing like WrestleMania. So he gets the call about a month ahead of time. He's so excited. And they're like, would you be interested in this? And he's immediately, oh, yes. He's like, should I leave now? And it like occurred to him, like, it's not even for like a month away. <laughs> uh, but on that show, he had, and, and you know, this is, before they were stars, I mean, he was involved with that next great generations of the marquees, the the main eventers, the headliners. He had Bret Hart match, and then he also had the Shawn Michaels versus Tito Santana match on that card. Nice, wow, love it, wow, look at that, look at dropping some knowledge. I didn't even realize that. Damn, we were just talking about him before about how he trained Carl Anderson and stuff. So like, damn, and, and Abyss. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Abyss, Carl Anderson, uh, Wildcat, Chris Harris. Uh, Jillian Hall spent some time there. Actually, oh, nice. some of the names that, that went through there, uh, you know, stopping by uh, John Moxley had been there, you know, that, with his promotion and all that. So, uh, absolutely. It just, you know, here where I'm at in, in Southern Ohio, really Ohio inside of itself is probably, we're talking top fives, is top five wrestling states, you know, when we're talking about people getting produced and going to the pros. No doubt. The next match up, I had Andre the Giant 
versus Hulk Hogan WrestleMania three. And it's funny because you think about it, it's like, oh, this that match is, is not that great of a match, blah, blah, blah. The crowd is nuts. It's the most iconic match in the history of the WWF still to this day. That body slam is like the first thing you ever see when you see any video. When you even think of WrestleMania, that body slam is the first thing that comes to mind. I know for me. So it's the most iconic match, the most iconic moment, the most iconic victory. I had to put Andre versus Hulk on my honorable mention list. I almost put it on my top five list because I just I absolutely love it. And it's funny, my son, he's very, very young. He's only five, but I made him watch it. And he was even getting invested because he loves Hulk because he knows I love Hulk. And he did not like Andre the Giant one bit he thought that he squished hogan in the beginning of the match but it's just funny watching it with him trying to get you know him to kind of relive my emotions of watching that match the i don't know the epitome of wrestlemania to me is andre versus hulk we know uh we had the the previous two wrestlemanias but it was still kind of hinging if this thing was going to be successful if it was going to become the the phenomenon that it is you know this tremendous global spectacle uh and it all hinged on that moment right there and yep. that's what we're talking about when it's it's emotion. And they had a tremendous build inside of that. You know, the selling points of, what was it, that Andre had not been pinned for, for over a decade or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 18 it, years. Right? <laughs> you know, they're, they're selling it to that audience at that point where you don't have access to all, you know, this this backside information. But So a lot of people were buying in. This is the first time that this had happened. Yeah, they don't think he's ever been body slammed before. I mean, unless you've seen the Harley Rakes match and a couple other matches, but nobody right. but was remembering. Back then, yeah, yeah, back then you didn't really have, you know, you, you didn't have that platform where every day you'd wake up and, you know, open, you know, open the paper or something back then. And there it is on the sports page. Nope, this already happened. You know, you didn't have kind of that, that spoilage that we have today or I guess that access, you know, to, to what's really happening through the territories. But the way they drove that emotion and – I know I'm just a slight, just a little bit older than you. Would you credit that? Because I do. I mean, that I'm one of those kids from that time. That's when I was like, I love professional wrestling. Absolutely, yes. It's one of those things. It's like you don't realize it, but you get so invested in who's going to win, who's going to lose. You're legit, like nervous, thinking, "Oh shit." My hero might lose. How could he beat this guy? This guy's never been pinned. This guy's never been slammed. He's got Bobby Heenan. You know, he's a monster. It, it, just so many different factors came into play. But, oh, man, the Hulkster was a god. And that would, like, kind of cemented him. I know he feuded with Piper and Orndorff, and, like, that's awesome. And then Bundy, that's great. But Andre, that was a different level. And that literally lifted the business to another level. I mean, that was the most box office. You know, Orndorff and him had a bunch of big paydays, a bunch of big shows that they did, the big events, and a bunch of other different things, a bunch of house shows they did that did big business. But as soon as Hogan Andre came down, they're creating Survivor Series, and they're creating SummerSlam, all predicated on that feud. So that's, to me, it's, it's the thing that set it off. That's that's a tremendous point there. As we talk a lot about this thing, we can really, you know, Hulkamania gets so much credit for really creating that big boom and making WWE who they who they are today. Uh, but, you know, we can really look at the history of Hulkamania. It, it was running wild in the AWA. I mean, when him and Bachwinkle, when he was on that chase, you go watch some of those matches and, and how crazy and hungry that crowd was. And, and you start seeing that build. And, and pause, as you said. You know, he makes the jump back over to to join the McMahons. 
Uh, they, they give him the belt. They, they strap the rocket to him. You've got the major success of the early WrestleManias one and two. You've got the celebrity crossover with Mr. T being there. You've got uh, Ali involved there. But when it really, I guess, as we're talking about now, truly think about when it really peaked, when it went to that next level, that was on the shoulders of the great Andre the Giant. No doubt about it. Such a perfect, perfect foil for the Hulkster. Such a perfect feud. He was like, man, like, how could he beat this guy? And he was like, undefeated. He'd never been slammed. How the hell is he going to get this done? He gets it done. He slays the giant, but the, he's not done. Then you get the Survivor Series, you know, then SummerSlam. It just keeps going on and on. And just the perfect larger than life character, too, for that point, too, because he legit was larger than life, more so than the other guys. Oh, absolutely. The next match up is a match that I kind of teetered on putting in my top five because I always kind of put it in or put it around there. And I believe you have it somewhere high in your ranking as well. Maybe not in your top five, but I know it's got to be high in your ranking. WrestleMania five, the macho man, Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan. The mega powers explode at Trump Plaza. Just Awesome feud, probably the greatest feud ever in the history of wrestling. If you really go from the starting point to the end, they had a beginning, they had a middle, they had an end. They really, really stretched it out. They made it so much that you were like, what direction are they going in here? I mean, is Hulk being a little bit of, I mean, as a kid, you don't think of him being like uh, the infidelity stuff, but you're thinking like, why is he holding Liz? And like, what, what's going on? Why is Savage mad at him? The, the, the little, little things that played a lot of realism was so good, but their chemistry was awesome together. Uh, for some reason or another, and I'm going to mention Meltzer again, doesn't rate this match three stars, which is weird because three stars is quote-unquote good match. Insane that he doesn't because this match is not only three. I'd give it way more. I'd give it at least four. <laughs> I mean, this match is awesome. I know you get a little bit of blood uh, involved too from the Hulkster. Just great, great match. All predictable ending or not. It's what you wanted, what the fans wanted. I loved it. WrestleMania 5. The Hulkster goes over strong. You talk about that long-term storytelling and getting people invested. Uh, this is, uh, and you talk about just sitting back and remember that, and it still brings those emotions to you today. You know, the mega powers explode. How, how could this happen? You know, we talked yep. about the body slam just a moment ago, but how can this happen? You know, <laughs> from the tremendous ride at WrestleMania 4, which, you know, I, and I know it, maybe it doesn't stand up against so many of them, but personally, one of my favorites top to bottom I just yeah. remember, I thought it was so, so incredible to see all those stars competing for, you know, the, in a tournament form to become the, you know, to claim the WWF championship. You have that full ride, that circle, you're, you're building that jealousy. And it really was that year. You, it, you know, we didn't think about it so much when we we're kids, you go back and watch that. There's a lot of questionable moves and decisions by, by the Hulkster. Yes. And it was yes. so great. You just, and that's where you've got, you know, Heenan really starting to lay it on thick. This guy isn't who everyone, he's, he's fake. He's a phony. And then even years later, you know, when Hogan joins the NWO and Heenan's, I've been telling you for years, I've been pointing this out since, you know, early eight, you know, since early WrestleMania is whatever, that this guy is a snake in the grass. There was a lot of questionable moves there. And it, it, it just to see it drive the macho man absolutely into a oh yeah the madness man you know drive him into that yep do you think now that we've heard you know what the rumors 
you know, how, how protective, I mean, not rumors, but stories from people that were there, how protective that, that Macho was of Elizabeth. That when they kind of put that together, there was maybe a lot of truth in, in what was being presented on the stage. Oh, I think they were bringing some true life into it. There's no doubt about it. One of those things, it's like, man, how much truth was really involved in what was really going on there? But Hogan and Savage always had that love-hate relationship, and that one-year build was great. You go from the WrestleMania four, where Savage is the hero with the help of the Hulkster, Elizabeth there, obviously, as well. Then all the way, the year storyline arc, Saturday Night's main event, you know, the, the Royal Rumble, everything kind of leading to this moment where Savage finally turns heel on that Saturday Night's main event. Leading to the WrestleMania match, Hogan goes over. I don't know I love that whole arc. I love that whole storyline. That's one of those things. Like, man, if they could bottle that, where they, you know, they have that year arc or that great storytelling, and somehow bring that into present day wrestling, that would be great. But you don't have Pat Patterson around anymore, so I don't know if you can even pull it off. Well, now you know everything's focused. Now is six months of booking in six minutes. You know, they had a perfect opportunity this year to do that with Edge and Randy Orton. And yeah. they could have played that injury. They could have used that to their advantage of why, okay, we could slow things down because Edge is out. We could really slow it down, build, slow, build up that heat, just keep people reminded about it, keep Randy hot. You know, you know, you maybe put him into an evolved form of that legend killer. Edge comes back. I mean, you could have had something special like that, but now they're trying to force us in other directions. And, and you see where the enthusiasm is for this one. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. Now the Fiend and Orton are feuding again. And not to go into too much of this year's WrestleMania. Right. But to me, I was like, man, that's kind of a downer. You, you don't because... have that great long term, emotional, great characters booking. And just because they fought last year at WrestleMania, I guess they didn't want to fight him again. I don't really even know their thought process, but kind of made sense to go more towards Edge Orton and with the Legend Kill thing. And then they turned and switched gears with the Fiend stuff. And, and I'm not feeling it. A little, little corny. I agree. So the next match up that I have here, my honorable mention, is easily a match that could go in the top five. And I'm sure it's in a lot of wrestling fans' top three. And that is the Macho Man Randy Savage once again versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat WrestleMania three. Got to be one of the greatest matches of all time. Just absolutely perfect from both these guys. Love Savage. Love the Dragon. This is one of those where... You really do have the, the complete package. This is a total package match. Well, you know, everything that I that I keep hammering on, you, you've got the great characters, the storytelling, the emotion. And then, yes, you have tremendous in-ring work. And, and it just lended completely to the story. Again, how masterful uh, Randy is, was uh, that, that mind, that dedication to his craft. And, and now we all know that they had spent quite a bit of time putting this thing together. And he realized this moment, this spotlight might not have been on the marquee, might not have been the main event, but he was going to sure as hell go out there and made sure that forever, right here at this moment, we remember the name Macho Man. And then the dance partner across, Ricky the Dragon, you talk about absolutely one of my early favorites, the look, the charisma, the character, just an all-around hero of professional wrestling, a, a true superhero. Uh, then you, you have all, you know, the side story going on there with George the Animal, with, you know, the Princess Diana of professional wrestling, uh, Miss Elizabeth. You had everything you wanted. I feel like, too, 
with Savage, a lot of people copy that. Obviously, today's wrestling almost copied that to a T, where they're going to set up the match beforehand, everything they know what they're going to do. They're not really going to call in the ring. But Savage was so good that he knew how to manipulate the crowd to get the response he wanted, which is different from the guys today who don't even care about the crowd response, and they're just going to run through the spots and do do what they need to do. Savage kind of orchestrated the match because he knew, okay, the crowd's going to pop here, the crowd's going to pop here. And he manipulated them and got them to the point where they got where he got the reaction and Steamboat got the reaction that they wanted. And I think you know that's that's probably a lot of what's what's lost on maybe today's talent when they are trying to and if, if you know if they're out on the road, you know, when house shows were around, if they were trying to work through some things there, or if they were at you know at the performance center, NXT has a great advantage here where they can they, you know they're regularly stationed there. This is before pandemic and all that, where they can work through step by step. This is where we're going to be in these matches. I think what's lost is the way you lay it out there, Paz. I got a feeling when they were working on that match in in Randy's backyard, wherever the hell they were with it, house shows. They were talking about these. Okay, these are when we're going to be trying to cue these reactions from the audience. This is when we need to slow down. I think today they're just thinking, okay, we got to get this spot in. Okay, then you hit you hit these moves, and then I'll get back up and we'll hit these moves. So th- instead of really designing a quality professional wrestling match like Steamboat and Savage did, now we're getting a, a floor routine. Yep. So, I mean, th- there's a difference in what's your, your strategies and your direction when you're planning. And it's funny, everyone says Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania, and there's no doubt about it. He can stake a claim at that, but I really, I just don't see him to me. And years ago, I wrote a blog uh, for my brother's site when he was, when he had his, his site, just about who was Mr. WrestleMania, who had the best matches. And I was kind of going through and basically like, God, I don't even know how many years it, it had to be a couple more than a couple of years ago, but Michaels had a bunch of good matches, but did his performances really equal that of like a Bret Hart or, or, or a uh, Macho Man Randy Savage or a Hulk Hogan where they had those memories and moments and those things that you always kind of remember. Michaels is like, yeah, him versus Kurt Angle was good, and, and there's no doubt about that. Great match. And this match was a great match, or this match good, but do they really stand the test of time? Savage to me, everything he did at Mania is one of those things where I, I'll never forget. It, it's so memorable that, yes, Michaels had some great matches, but Savage had those moments and Bret Hart had those yes, great matches, but something that stuck out to me was just, I don't just the way he went about his business and the way he was able to get those awesome matches out of certain guys. Piper's probably best match ever. Steve Austin's probably best match ever. Yokozuna's probably best match ever. Owen's best match ever. Just stuff like that. It's just like, man, it sticks out to me. And then Savage is like, holy crap, the steamboat thing, the Hogan thing. You just don't forget stuff like that. You talk about a great debate right there. Yeah. That, that that would be an incredible conversation. To me, even Undertaker, I know he's had the most matches, and and he's definitely had all this great the stuff streak and... for, the, for the streak. I wouldn't even consider him Mr. WrestleMania. I, w- I, I still, I, I don't know, I always go back to Savage. I'm like, who had the most memorable moments? WrestleMania 3, Savage. Him, and obviously you could throw the Hogan-Andre moment there too. WrestleMania 4, Savage. Him winning at the end, going through the tournament. WrestleMania 5, Savage Hogan. WrestleMania 6, not so much Savage, but Hogan Warrior. WrestleMania 7. So a little history at 6. Wasn't that the first uh, Intergender tag match? Yeah, but it was so short, if you remember. We could switch the history making, though. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, 
but he's almost forgotten six. But then they come back at seven, has the most memorable match. Eight, he's got an awesome match uh, against Flair. And then I know people will say, oh, 10, crush, whatever. I, I, I love that match. Maybe I'm impartial because I was there, and I was very emotional thinking Savage might lose. <laughs> but, and I know the stipulation of the match is a little wonky against Crush, but it is so good, and his reaction is awesome. And, and, and just being there and even remember it from, God, 20-plus years ago, you remember, like, wow, that crowd, 30 years, Jesus Christ, whatever it was. It's like, holy crap, the, the, uh, the fans were so invested in Macho. What a legend. Absolutely. So let's get to just quickly. I want to talk about some performances at WrestleMania that stuck out to me just as far as the whole scope of, of the whole night. So Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10 had those matches against Owen, had the match against Yoko, one open the card, one finished the card, one that opened the card, arguably one of the greatest matches of all time. The one that finished the card, great match that you can get out of Yokozuna. Very rare. I mean, Yoko was good, but it's very rare to get those great matches out of him that go 10 minutes plus or whatever, just because size and, and different things. He just wasn't able to have those great long matches that WrestleMania is kind of known for, but still in, in about the 10 minutes that it was, it was a great match. I liked the finish. It was kind of cool and, and different, but just great performance from WrestleMania 10. And then I was thinking Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30 opens the match or opens the card. Triple H is the first match. Great match finishes the match or finishes the night with Batista and Randy Orton winning the title. Great, great night. Two great performances. Those two, I would say the top two WrestleMania performances, but they do get the, uh, the lead or, or they're, you know, some sort of disadvantage because they did work twice. Well, I would say, you know, it's it, just talk about those, those performances there in that single, it, that, that you really remember. And maybe it sets, you know, that single night, you know, going back to macho man at, at four. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To, to run through that tournament and you you look at that list i mean that all-star bracket especially at the time you know the the biggest and, and best names in professional wrestling and even going in at the I, it was even interesting how that they had that set up you know where they, you had andre and hogan with that immediate buy to the finals because they were the two that were involved in the vacation of the title. So there was all, you know, that intrigue is, okay, you know, is this the macho man's time? I mean, what if Hogan gets there? Are these two going to have to collide? Uh, then you had that double, was it a they get double disqualified or count out, but it, neither one advanced. And there was still that Thank you. yep. you're, you're rooting for the macho man wholeheartedly behind him at this point. But, I mean, it was the million-dollar man. Was he going to be able to buy – was he going to be able to somehow buy his way to this championship? So all the intrigue there around and then, you know, Macho getting that run and getting that moment. It is – you know, I do think back at that moment. I know how how much you loved Hulk Hogan. I think this is – never was a, a Hawkamaniac myself. But I think that's when I really started to dislike him in a sense of, okay, this is Macho Man spotlight, dude. I know Hogan must pose, but you know, at that time I'm like, I'm starting to realize like, get out of the way here, dude. <laughs> hey, uh, the Hulkster, the mega powers, they were running wild. Come on. 
can't can't blame the Hulk, but that's uh, definitely another performance. So I would probably give it to Daniel Bryan, Bret Hart, and Macho Man as having the you know best one night performances in WrestleMania history. Maybe Macho might be sneaking ahead because he gets all those wins in a row for the tournament. Obviously, he ends up winning the world title. I think for a one night performance, you know, because we are talking about you know things from the early WrestleManias. We give a nod to something local recently. We do talk about Daniel Bryan, uh, Seth Rollins with the cash in. You know, he, he takes that that tough loss to Randy Orton, but he still has uh, the, the golden goose. He's got that briefcase, and it was a cash-in like we had never seen before. That was just so interesting. I was like, wow, what a cool way to kind of end the night unpredictably because WrestleMania, you don't expect that at all, especially since early in the night he lost to Orton. But it sets up perfectly for the months to follow. Orton's the number one contender because he, he already pinned him. And then leads to you thinking Orton's going to beat him for the title. Orton doesn't beat him for the title. So that was some good booking then. Rarity for the WWE, but uh, for sure it was some good booking that night. Absolutely. So let's get into the top five. I know when we were talking beforehand, you didn't have five necessarily. So I hope you kind of have five coming up. Uh, I guess, why don't uh, why don't we go one by one here? So you kick it off and, and we'll see where you're at. And then I'll follow. Are, are we going? Are we going to kind of rank as we go, or can we kind of you, just say? You that- know what? I had mine as far as like a ranking, but it doesn't really necessarily have to be because I could literally think to myself tomorrow morning, I might say, "Uh, you know what? I'm switching one and two, or I'm switching five and one." You know what I mean? It could easily switch. So let's just do top five. It not, doesn't necessarily have to be the well, quote unquote I'll, in I'll, order best matches. I'll ever. get. I'll get. I'll get it going here with what I would rank uh, is number five. And to me, it, it it really it had so much going on with it, and I think it's something that, by design, maybe with WWE, it's it doesn't get so much love, and it's tag team wrestling. So I think as when we look at those greatest matches moments, we we tend to forget about that because it's not important in their narrative. But it's this match certainly was for me, and it was the second installment of this thing, and it was TLC too. You've got the Hardys, Edge and Christian. And the Dudleys, and at this time, these guys reinvented and redefined tag team wrestling. On on really, if you're doing it inside WWF, WWE, you're doing it on the grandest stage. And and I know people immediately are like, oh, but Rick, you're talking about you don't you're trying to dismiss you know all these you know all these big spots and whatever the case might be. If handled properly, yes, I mean that's going to add to the excitement. There's that thrill factor, especially inside this gimmick match. And this isn't a time, too, where we weren't getting smashed over the head with, oh, it's this month, so it has to be this gimmick. You know, it's December, so it's got to be TLC. It's October. It's got to be Hell hell in a Cell. I mean, this was, they had the first go around, but there was still this drive, this all, I mean, borderline hate between the teams, but ultimately respect to go out there and claim themselves in this modern era, they know then this new era of tag wrestling to grab that top spot that where you would be the team sitting above all the others. There was emotion. You you could connect to all of the characters in here, such charisma. It really brought a lot. So I'm going to say uh, I'm going with the TLC at WrestleMania. I'm going to go in somewhat of a, 
not newer generation, I guess. We were around the same time period, obviously, as you picked. But it's funny, again, this is 20 years ago, or almost 20 years ago, going WrestleMania 18, Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. Man, that crowd is absolutely electric. You get the sense, you get the feeling of that match. Hogan knew that they were going to be on his side, and uh, they were going to turn on The Rock. Obviously, WWE didn't expect it or didn't want that to happen, but oh, it happened. Toronto has always been a big Hogan town, always, I guess, will be a big Hogan town. But that match is just unbelievable to me. If you look at it, Hogan, the old guard, Rock at this point, the new guard, didn't really realize he was going to be kind of on his way out at this or around this point, the Rock, because he was getting so popular in Hollywood. And they wanted him to do so many different projects and movies. He was kind of working his way out. But man, uh, Hogan Rock, just to me, unbelievable chemistry is there everyone kind of wanted hogan austin i don't think that chemistry would have been there as far as this rock was so adaptable to hogan sold for hogan big time knew how to make it work definitely not i wouldn't say turn heel fully but definitely understood okay this crowd's booing me i'm gonna have to change it up a little bit here i'll play it up big time totally adapt and don't look like a schmuck because this this thing could you know turn into a really a shit show if if i don't you know kind of placate to the crowd or play it up a little bit so you kind of see them switch the face heel dynamic as hogan really really almost won the damn thing hulked up hit the leg drop talk about false finishes that to me I remember watching with my buddy and, and my buddy's father. He were like, oh, my God, Hogan's going to win. Oh, no. We were, like, <laughs> we were literally one of those things where it's like you jump out of your seat because you think Hogan's going to win and, and turn back the clock and everything else. And Rock ends up winning. They do the respect thing at the end, and he raises the hand. And the NWO is pissed at Hogan. Hogan's kind of holding his ribs, probably legitimately gassed out. What a great match. Just such a, a great, fond memory. One of those things, though, also – not only a great match, the crowd played such a big role that became such a great moment. Absolutely. It's, it's, and that's one of those moments that will live forever. And you talk about if Hogan, maybe he kind of knew in the back of his mind. And, you know, I've heard Pritchard talk about this many a times. You, you really had different vibes between WCW and WWF. And when you came back to WWF, WWE, whatever, that fan, they wanted their hero, Hulk Hogan. You know, they didn't care about the Hollywood version. But, hey, let's give the credit on the other side, though, for Rocky to be mm-hmm. able to handle, you know, that pressure of, okay, I got to go on the fly here. I got to adjust to this thing. You know, that we're almost back to that die, Rocky, die, kind of, you know, thought process from the audience. Uh, you're right. An incredible, incredible moment. Something that you just you remember the chills. I back then it was when we used to have these massive pay-per-view parties, especially for, for WrestleMania. So, you know, I'm in a crowded living room of 30 plus people and everybody is just glued to the television. Uh, that's where all the focus is for this incredible moment. But I don't know if I'd go in my top five with this thing simply because of what you kind of mentioned. And it could have been for whatever reason, if the chemistry wasn't there, politics at hand, I didn't care. I was one of those people. Give me Hogan, Austin. All respect to one of our honorable mentions, you go to, we were talking about Macho and his great moments at, at WrestleMania 8. Great match. I was a huge flair guy. All the yeah, respect awesome in the world for, for, for Macho at that time. But even, you know, at WrestleMania 8, the world wanted Hogan flair. And I think, right, you know, it's the same scenario here. The, a majority of the world wanted Hogan 
in Austin. It is weird, though. Like, even the build-up icon versus icon, they just seem to mesh better. than I know Hogan and Austin was, like, the two biggest stars. But for some reason, Hogan and Rock, they just mesh so well together. And I don't know if it was because Rock was a big Hogan fan growing up or or he had so much respect for him and so the Hogan had respect for him. But it seemed like Hogan and Austin didn't like each other dating back from WCW. They just, Hogan refused to work with him. Austin was begging to work with him. That was some heat. Then Austin became a bigger star. Then Hogan would rip him saying, yeah, if I gave the middle finger and was drinking beer, I could be right. uh, a big, big star too or something. Like I did it because I did with charisma and star power and stuff like that. So it, it just seemed like a little bit of tension there. But for some reason, Hogan and Rock always seemed like such a respect thing but also a, a professional rivalry. You're like, wow, this guy, he really wants to kind of become the next Hogan. Like, can can he do it? Like, can he really cool kind of dynamic between those two. And I, I just always with chemistry, you don't know what it is exactly, but it just works. And rock Hogan to me just worked. Uh, absolutely. I mean, looking back, it was probably the right choice, but just going in. Yeah. That, that feeling of, okay, he, man, we feel like we're a little shorted here. The fact we never got Hogan Austin is kind of like, Ridiculous. And you're right. It really knowing what we know now and, and the stories that we heard, there had to be some serious animosity, you know, somewhere between these two. Yep. So what do you got next? What's what's next on the list? Uh, on my next one here, I guess I get things going with. Oh, I gotta save that one. Uh, man, I, I'll go here with Austin HBK. At 14, nice. you've got really here, I, you talk about, again, wanting it all. And you got that extra, just a little extra nice spice here with the, the crossover involvement of Mike Tyson. You, mentioned, you remember how cool that was to have him involved here in that buildup. The uh, remember you've ruined everything. You've ruined everything. Damn you, Austin! With the confrontation, yeah. the the shove heard round the world, the nose to nose between Tyson and Austin. DX is so hot here, but you know this is this is Austin. This is where he really grabs the ball and takes it to the next level. Uh, incredible moments all around. Such a fun match. And going in, you didn't know if Michaels was going to show up. You thought maybe Michaels was going to fake an injury again. Even though he legit was injured, you just didn't know how badly he was injured. He was saying he had a bad back. Then he's doing a kip up. <laughs> so, I mean, you truly never know. Maybe isn't he was it, just so like focused, like shit, he's just going to fight through the pain. But you never know for sure if he was really hurt or not. Isn't this also the time, too? Because And this is where we're really starting to see the, the evolution of the sheets, where they're more prevalent. And we're getting yeah. that that in that insight where the curtain it really is more than it had ever been before pulled back and revealing what's happening behind the scenes. Obviously, you know, Sean, with the, with the back issues and all of that, isn't this the one where we get the story that Undertaker was sitting in Gorilla with his, with his fist tape? And it just in case... Sean yep. decided to, to try to pull some shenanigans. Yep. Or didn't want to come out of his locker room or something. Yes. He was ready, willing and able to kick Michael's ass, make sure he got out there and did what he's supposed to do to put Austin over. Uh, because you know that there was some animosity there because Michael's a few years earlier was the guy. WrestleMania 12 beats Brett, becomes a quote unquote guy, thinks it's going to last forever. The next year, WrestleMania 13, basically Vince wants Michael's to job back and lose to Brett. He didn't want to do it, so he fakes the knee injury. Oh, I'm sorry, the real injury. Loses a smile. Let's be honest. He faked the knee injury 
uh, lost his smile, came back a little bit later. He actually did it, if you remember, he did a flip into the ring at WrestleMania 13. So his knee was absolutely 100% fine. <laughs> he was such a freaking bullshitter. So he didn't want to lose to Brett. He wasn't the guy. So then, even further, they give him the title back again, thinking like, okay, I'm going to have a nice another long run after Brett had his run. Let's see what happens here. Brett's gone. I I'm the guy. Nope. Austin comes along. Austin's a guy, you know, he didn't want to put him over, but he finally agreed to do it. Like you said, maybe a little coercing from the undertaker, but he put him over. Well, it didn't to, to give credit where credit is due here. HPK goes out there and puts on a, a yes. brilliant performance. Yep, he went out there and gave it his all. He made Austin look like a million bucks. And then there at the end, you know, the big swerve, the two most badass men on the planet kind of come together at Mike Tyson and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hey, you, you you can't get a bigger moment than that. One of my favorite parts of the match is the post-match. He's standing on the second turnbuckle. He's got his arms raised with the title, Stunkle Steve Austin. And JR, the Austin era has begun. You know, the speaking sound bites, classic JR, awesome calling it like it's a real sport. Like it's legit, like he's emotionally invested. Austin, Austin, Austin. I mean, I love that stuff. It, it gets you so pumped. And, and that's, you know, that's another, it's one of those subtleties that when we talk about great matches and everybody, we're, we're kind of focusing on those dance partners, those managers. Let's, you know, let's give the hat tip here as well to the commentary teams that are absolutely out there. They are the storytellers, the artists that are painting that canvas for you and, and complimenting everything that is happening. Uh, so it, it's it's just like that, you know. It's why Jr. is that voice of that generation. Some of the early matches that we were talking about with with Heenan and Gorilla, or you know Vince over the years, that really sold those moments. That when we look back at the greatest of, it was because a large contributing because of them. Absolutely, no doubt about that. Now, for me, on my next match, I was there live for it. So, uh, you know, it's near and dear to my heart, no matter what, but I absolutely love this match. I always probably once a year, at least go back and rewatch this match just because it is a masterpiece. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10, Madison Square Garden, New York City, 1994. I love this match. It is just perfect. Both these guys are two of the best workers ever. Brett is so good. There's a point where they have the overhead camera where they're showing the shots. Owen kicks Brett right in the face. And like you know that like brotherly moment where like your brother kicks you or pushes your face, you get that snap. And he looks at him and he looks at him like, Don't you dare kick me in the face. I mean, stuff like that. You always kind of remember that stuff. The fact just the way they were working, the way everything was being built. 20-minute match, absolutely perfect. The greatest opener ever in WrestleMania history. I know Daniel Bryan Triple H is great. I know Eddie Guerrero versus um, Rey Mysterio is great, but this is the greatest opener. It's one of my favorite matches, if not the best match in Mania history. I absolutely love this match. And the, the kicker and the shocker, Brett puts his brother over and made him a star that night. Uh, yeah, you talk about uh, – you go in – they they had some tremendous and, and they you know they told the history on air but I mean it's naturally built in you got this storytelling the little brother you know looking up chasing the big brother who's on that next level and you know but Owen he's he's to that point where he's so driven maybe it's not jealousy he's just so driven that he's not gonna he wants that what his big brother has great storytelling great build and then you go in there and you look for that that compliment 
oh, by the way, two of the most masterful technicians that we've ever seen going out there, given a lot of time to go out there and do what they do. It, it is. I don't have it in, in my top five, probably just sitting outside. I understand, you know, what it really meant long term. It, it really, you know, takes Owen from out of, you know, the, the Blue Blazer stuff, the the high energy, whatever he was doing it, you know, there, there's corny little gimmicks. He's trying to find his way. And this defines the black heart of the family. And it, even for Brett, you know, to be bested here by his little brother, then to go on and win the championship, it's like a bittersweet little moment. And it sets up going down the road. Again, gr- just great all around. Brett's so good at like making the other guy look good or making the other guy a star or getting the other guy over. Does it at WrestleMania 9 with Yoko? Does it at WrestleMania 10 with Owen? Does it at WrestleMania 12 with Michaels? Does it, even despite winning, does it at WrestleMania 13 with Austin? I mean, he's star-making performance. He is the guy he's making these guys well, look even better. I mean, they're great, but he makes them look you even know, better. He's even outside, we're talking about big matches, though, just outside of WrestleMania. Look, really, what he did for the career of his brother-in-law, the British Bulldog, who mm-hmm. is now he's getting such a tremendous spotlight as we get ready is. Actually, as we're sitting here, it's it's airing on Peacock right now. Is you know he's that the British Bulldog is going into the Hall of Fame. Good call. Yeah, awesome. Had a couple of great matches with the uh, British Bulldog. But as far as next up, what's next up on the WrestleMania list here? All right, let's see where are we gonna go on my list. This is where I'm like, okay, which ones do I want to mention? I've got one here for you. As we get down to our final three, and I know you were waiting to talk about this one, Paz, because we were on completely different. Different ends of the spectrum here. Oh, I know where let's, you're going. Let's, let's go to uh, th- that town you said that loves the immortal one so much. Let's go to Toronto. <laughs> WrestleMania 6, the ultimate challenge. Champion versus champion. Hulk Hogan, ultimate warrior. This is one of those you can take your work rate. It, it, you can toss it in the trash because this is a moment this was one of those those truly grand. Oh my God, is this happening? Felt so damn important. Like everything was at stake. You know what I mean? When you're watching, it's like everybody, you know, settle down in the room. Everyone, you got to be quiet. We got to focus on this match. The big match is up. I mean, man. I just remember as a kid, so emotionally invested. And it's funny. A few months ago, I was out to dinner. Um, a bunch of us went out and a really good friend, lifelong friend of, of over 35 years. Actually, it was probably just around 35 years that I've known him. Man, we watched it together with his grandfather. And it was me, my brother, him, and and his grandfather watched it. And we were talking about remembering being there watching it at his grandfather's house. And all the stuff about we were like, how the hell do we have this recall from 30 years ago? But for some reason, we do. And he goes, remember how upset we were? That Hogan lost because we were bawling, and I was like, Yeah, we were like, I guess we're seven years old at that point. I mean, we were like visibly upset. Of course, the grandfather uh, is, is still around, he's an awesome guy. Never told us it was a work, <laughs> so he let us cry all night. We we're upset that our hero lost, but you know, he didn't want to break it to us. But he, you know, he, he was pissed too. He had the Hogan lost, but man, you just go back and watch that, you get so invested still because the crowd is awesome, they're so hyped. Hogan does such a good job. Oh, Warriors and a great work, blah, blah. Hogan does such a good job of, of 
presenting the match. Warrior did such a good job of holding his end of the bargain. Warrior always showed up in the big matches, no matter what. He was always good. No matter you know in the main events, he was always going to show up for WrestleMania, the SummerSlam stuff. It just that's what he did. It wasn't necessarily important that he's going to oh he's going to execute the suplex perfectly. It was just about who he was, his character. The crowd was into him. His charisma is off the charts. Arguably the greatest body of all time. You just look at him. Just looks wise. Like this guy is fr- ridiculous. Um, so invested in that match for years. I hated Warrior because he beat Hogan. I didn't care who was the face, who was the heel. Like after that, like I mentioned to you the other night, I wanted Slaughter to beat him for Christ's sake. And Royal Rumble, I was happy he did it. Even though if you look at it, it's like kind of an asshole, dastardly way to win with Savage cheating everything and you know him necessarily burning the flag and doing all the anti-american stuff just your 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 pure this moment here that just drove you this pure hatred for the ultimate where at this point it it drove a young pause to embrace the iraqi you know the traitor we're we're at war with this country and pause hates the warrior so much at this point that he's rooting for a guy to beat to beat our american champion isn't that crazy I, you know, I think back the, the little warrior in me. I've got uh the, the, the shoestrings tied on my arms for the tassels. I've got my face painted. Th- and this is a big moment in the company. They take a major risk on a stage like this, face first face, baby first baby. I mean, you're you're really splitting your audience here. Yeah, because these two were so beloved. You know, at the time, arguably two of the most beloved individuals in all of professional wrestling, at least in the top three, four. Hundred percent. And you're and you're putting them head to head, champion versus champion. The the electricity, the emotion. Uh, this is actually though. This is kind of funny. I do remember this. It's the first time that I had heard a real spoiler, but it didn't ruin the match for me. Remember back then they used to run these things at like four in the afternoon, and then mm-hmm. you'd have your pay per view replay at eight o'clock. Well, my uncle hosting back then, we'd always have the eight o'clock party. You know, people show up around five or six and, you know, the dads are grilling out, drinking their beer, throwing horseshoes, whatever. The, the kids are wrestling around. On the way there, we're listening to the radio and the a-hole DJ said, it's over in Toronto, WrestleMania 6, the ultimate warrior has defeated Hulk Hogan. Oh my God, Jesus. Spoiler alert, buddy, right? The, the uh, original spoiler alert here for me. But I still, I, I didn't know. You know, to me, it was like, I don't know. Is this is this a prank? Right. You know, yeah. is, is this real? So I'm still sitting there in anticipation, waiting for that excitement. But there's so many scares in this match where, you know, you couldn't help. If, if you were a fan of his, if you're rooting against him, you, you got supercharged when he started hawking up because... It was no over. matter no matter what I heard on that radio, he's hawking up, dude. It's gonna, he's going to somehow win this thing, you know. But it, it didn't happen here. Uh, what a moment, though! Yes, such a shocker, especially at that point. Even I could still remember sitting on the floor, weeping at the freaking Hulkster lost my hero lost. I was shocked. Looking back though, and rewatching it, the you know twenty million times that I have, such a great finish, so so well booked. And I know Pat Patterson played a large part in putting together a lot of the WrestleMania main events and a lot of the Hogan matches. I mean, him, Hulk, and Warrior came up with a masterpiece. Absolutely love that finish. Well, what, I, I know we we got some of these are the same. Do you, do you have a different match here for us, or guess what? Hogan Warrior 
It's exactly the same. I got Hulkster Warrior WrestleMania six. I think maybe the rest of our list might be uh, very similar. And it's funny we go back and we have a lot of like agreement. We're around the same age. We kind of have a lot of the same moments and stuff. Obviously, you're rooting for Warrior, which is kind of uh, a little crazy, but you know, a lot of the same stuff. I got the poster in the back, the awesome uh, Hogan Warrior poster hanging up. So just love that match, love that moment, and it was the right move at the time. Although looking back, they went back to Hulk's for the next year because I guess they felt like the returns on Warrior weren't as strong. And I know a lot of the boys mentioned it. They weren't making as much money when Warrior was champion rather than when Hogan was champion. You know, it is what it is. I don't know if anybody can kind of reach that star status and that mega, mega star power and that charisma and that drawing ability of the Hulkster. So I feel like anybody that would have, even if it was, you know, Macho for, I know Macho for that extended period of time did draw great and, and was kind of great, but I feel like anybody after Hogan, after you're going to have that high point of, of WrestleMania five, they're probably going to go downhill and it's not really their fault. Not to say the warrior was good. Wasn't good. Was a great draw or wasn't. I just feel like anybody after that point wasn't going to draw like the Hulkster was going to draw. Well, to speak to Hogan and what he meant as champion, he was just so ingrained into the American society. He he truly was an icon, a representative of what the red, white, and blue represented. Americana. And that's why people were just so drawn to him. But I also kind of, I would love to question and talk to somebody, you know, maybe that had been there. I mean, you have this access to be a tremendous conversation that, that you have with any of the, the shows that you co-host is to talk about why Hawkamania works so much in the importance placed on Hogan in that position. Cause it's a lot of responsibility to carry a championship back then. You know, it's not today where it maybe is more of the prop. Uh, we're going to have that debate, but you know, then it, it, you, you really had to stand for something because you carried all those paydays, all those houses, those were on your shoulders and it was a nonstop job. You know, you had to, you not only wrestling, you know, maybe twice, three times a day, seven days a week, you know, 11 months, maybe out of the year, whatever the case might've been. I mean, you're out on the road all year, but if you take those days, you really get one or two days off to go home at times. You're also doing PR, everything that is that entailed there. Uh, that would be some some interesting insight. You know, it's funny looking back. Everyone always says like there were so many stars there and so many guys that were larger than life. Everyone fell into the great or the right pecking order because Hogan was on top of the mountain. And I feel like, yes, you can maybe take Hogan out for a little bit and put Savage up there because equally, not equally as big a star, but almost equally as big a star or Piper or, you know, like a warrior, you know, like kind of, you know, 1A, 1B kind of guy. But they all fell perfectly into place because the top of that mountain was Hogan. You lose Hogan off the top of the mountain, I don't think WBF is as successful as they were. No matter what Vince McMahon tries to tell you, that he's the mastermind, the genius, you don't have that guy. You don't have that Hogan. You don't have that Austin where everybody else falls into their perfect place. You lose a lot to me. I, I, I think that's a, a lot of the reason, one of the biggest problems with today's product. And, I, and you really look at when Hogan left, and the game changer just taking Hulkamania to WCW and immediately, even with the hokey stuff that, you know, they're, if they're doing, so they're still running kind of the cartoonish angles, which the WCW audience wasn't exactly used to at the time, uh, but immediately a game changer. Yeah. And, and in Vince, I, you know, I, I regularly say this, I believe it's at this point 
where he he realizes, oh crap, you know, WWF is an established name. We're a great brand, but Hulkamania itself rivals us. Yeah. And it oh, was it that be bigger. <laughs> it, yeah, it was that fear then that made him start changing his philosophies where it's gotta be my brand, the WWF, WWE over everybody else. I can't let these superstars get to that level. Now, you, you do have Austin rock somewhat there. That was really out of necessity. I mean, they had to do everything. They, they were, you know, scratching and clawing to stay alive at that point. But even as great as Cena, the, the heights that he went to, it always seemed like he had a ceiling. Like, John, we'll let you get here, but we're going to make sure that the overall brand is, you know, a few notches above you. I think it was out of that fear. And if you watch that show, was it the toys that made us on Netflix? They literally mentioned that. Remember WF for a little bit of time there in the nineties when Hogan left, they kind of lost all their toy deals and all their licensing deals for a little mm -hmm. bit because those guys were like, where's Hulk? Where's Hulkamania? Where, where's he going? Oh, he's going to WWE. We want to go there. We want to go in that direction. So even to the licensees and the, the toy companies and you know, all the figures and stuff, all that kind of stuff was towards Hulk, not even WBF, even though they had their name. And obviously Vince had a great business and a great model. It was all about Hulk. He was the star. He was the guy. And it felt like a lot of things went with him. And anybody who's anybody, if you say WBF, most people know it's wrestling. If you say Hulk Hogan, like he's wrestling. Have you ever talked with, with Mr. Sullivan about that? And I, I know you guys, you, you talk about so many of, you know, the the creative aspects the the entering but some business opera i mean because it seems that there was always a, a shame that that wcw never really figured out the mechanics behind a successful merchandising campaigns right it's funny it's like they could have done so much more like when the nwo came out i feel like they finally got some good merch and they finally got like a better catalog and they finally made it easily accessible and you're getting the stuff quicker when you actually ordered it and and they were kind of doing better at that point but it's weird like that they didn't capitalize it wbf put a whole department into it wcw never did that it never invested enough into that department wbf made it like guys we are a merchandising company this like this whole sector here is going to be dedicated we're going to have a guy in charge of this and this is going to be his baby and this is we're going to have creative services which is going to go into marketing we're going to have this which is going to go into marketing everything kind of settled around marketing and it's funny i know uh, sting did an interview years ago where he's talking about oh yeah then they took me down to marketing it's like you just got hired you're going to titan towers you meet vince go triple a take you to marketing of course, I mean, it's just like, and, and then the, the marketing guy's like, oh, Sting, by the way, look at this. I have eight, you know, eight ideas on paper of what, what how we want to market you. Here's a wrestling buddy. Here's this. So, I mean, that's just one example, like just popping in my head. Imagine for a guy like Hogan, they probably like headbands, this. And that, I mean, they're like so ensconced in it. They're, they are ready for marketing times 10 and WCW just didn't invest in that like particular area really until the nwo but even then they didn't invest a whole team into their merchandising or marketing well i, I think it's funny kevin nash told this story that he can you know he he's making the jump back over there and, and even you know his first run those those early days with wcw he never thought about that merchandising but he goes to the wwf at that time and it, like you said it's a complete department yep. so when he goes back to wcw they're talking about the nwo merch and he said it was just one little small office with like two people in there and it wasn't that dedication. So even going further back, Jim Cornette regularly tells the story that him and the express they had a couple days off. So they took a, a quiet meeting 
up at Titan Towers. And they figure they're going to walk into this thing and, you know, Vince is going to have this elaborate, oh, we're going to book you. Like, this is this is your booking strategy. Sign with us for the next year. We're, you're going to be, you know, main event at these spots, work in these programs. And he says they sit down and Vince starts talking about toy line. And they're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like, yeah. you know, we're professional wrestlers. And then, two, we're heels. Why do we want people to buy our toys? And then Cornette said he had a conversation with the Iron Sheik not long after that. And uh, Shiki Baby's talking about, yeah, I, I made over a hundred million off of this wrestling doll. It's crazy. And Cornette's blown away, like, what the hell? Yeah. It's funny. I talked to Outback Jack. I talked to a bunch of like Ted RCD, a bunch of like the lesser guys that got the LJN figures. And they're talking about $80,000 checks and this and that. And this is like them getting like pennies on the dollar on the figures. So imagine what WWF got out of that deal is i mean it's just crazy if you think about it i mean who we ljns i still have a few i wish i had more but uh that's where it's at man that marketing and stuff that's where you the bread and butter of making that extra money that merchandising absolutely and that's one of the things you know with the production and the marketing uh, you can't take that away from wwe yep so what do you got next all right we just we, we did wrestlemania six there Let, let's keep it on track here I see the beautiful posters you got there framed in the back. Let's go. Let's go one year later. Let's go to WrestleMania seven. I, you and I, we, we had the, the great honor to sit down for rad mania with uh, rad Rob and also our good friend over at turnbuckle talk. The extreme Canadian Carl Carafeld is we did a watch along this past week and we happened to watch this match and uh, the shill victory shill came out of me and I put this over as no question. The greatest match in WrestleMania history, as it really had, it had everything that you, you truly wanted when it comes to the characters, the storylines, uh, the emotion, that, that raw emotion, the career versus career. The first time, you know, that we'd seen this on this kind of stage inside of the WWF, the ultimate warrior and the macho king, Randy Savage. And of course, it's on my list as well. So we agree yet again. And that was great doing the Rad Mania. I love that match. I love going back and watch it. You get so emotionally invested. And just watching the entrance and stuff, like, like a, a certain presence comes over. You just feel like this is going to be great. Like, this is awesome. Like, it just brings back great memories. You're just sitting there like, okay, Savage is such a big star. Warrior is such a big star. This crowd is nuts. We mentioned Sherry Martel, which I've never heard her get mentioned as much as <laughs> it's high praise before as the other night. But it, all true. She's great. She's great in this. Elizabeth's great. The announcing is great. The crowd is freaking off the charts for it. Just, I love this match. Everything about it's so emotionally charged. You think it's going one way, then it goes another. Then Warrior thinks about quitting and walking out. Then he comes back. They hit the, the finisher several times, which, which was so different back then. Now you see it every freaking week. Uh, even if it's on Dynamite or Raw back then, you, you see guys repeatedly doing their finishers. This was so different for the time. And one of those things where it's like once in a lifetime at this point, it's, you rarely saw them hit multiple finishers in a match. But this was a career versus career match, retirement match. So you had to pull out all the stops. So good. Savage, he's, he's the man. Him and Warrior amazing chemistry together if it's not the greatest wrestlemania match it's obviously in the top five and it should be in a lot of people's top two which is probably is for us 
just unbelievable. Nothing but great things to say. And uh, I was pretty happy to go back in and watch that match the other night. And, and you know, it's, and to relive it, as you said, you know, we put over Queen Sherry in our conversation because it, what she lent to that thing and, and the positioning and how she knew how to get involved, you know, the distractions to help Macho. It, it, it really felt that she she was truly an extension of his game plan there. And, and you know, Macho trying to, to be able to get that sneak attack, which was so, you know, it was really his MO in the build to this thing. You know, going back to when he, you know, just smashed you with that specter, costing the Warrior the championship at the Royal Rumble, uh, the, the back and forth between them. And Macho really getting the upper hand time and time again because of the distractions there. And that's the story that they told. He mentioned commentary. So masterful. He didn't really hear incredible, you know, how, you know, they're painting this picture. They're taking you along for this ride. Inside the match itself, the importance. It, we see that, you know, you mentioned Warrior. We don't get the running maniac. He's taking his time. He's not going to let, you know, Macho draw him into one of these traps. But even in the ring gear, you know, across the backside, it's more important or it's bigger than this. And he has the, the picture of the championship. And that's what made it so great. That's what, you know, career versus career. This is win or go home. You're not coming back. You can lose a championship and win it back a month later or down the road, whatever it might be. You lose this match, you're done. That's what's on the line here. And you sit throughout this thing to see Macho. How many elbow drops did we count? Was it five, seven like that? And then the warrior, you know, he's got everything on the line. He's got to pull that strength from us little warriors and he fights back. But, you know, even after he hits his, his onslaught, Macho kicks out. He's starting to question himself. I remember there, I was so emotional at that time. You're talking about how the grandfather didn't smarten you guys up. I was so emotional. I was going to break the television. My parents had to come clean and tell me, this is theater. This is theater, Ricky. Okay. It's okay. It's okay that you really enjoy this thing. Uh, but I, I remember that, that, that raw emotion. And yes, Warrior would win this thing. He goes on. He has that great moment. But for the macho man, he goes in there as one of the biggest villains in the company obviously got slaughter. I mean, who's just turned on the country. The GI Joe has joined the enemy, but you know, macho man's right up there. He comes in is the, one of the biggest heels for an extended period. You know, just, it wasn't just like slaughter who just turned macho's had that heat on him for a while. And in, in the case of that, in, in that match, he goes from that level of hatred losing everything his career is done and then it comes full circle and then you know not people just the respect of the f you know the effort he just gave inside that match and then you add in miss elizabeth the, the you know the coming full circle the, the great love story in professional wrestling comes full circle they're reunited that's your raw emotion that is incredible and that's that raw emotion inside of the audience real tears that we see, you know, just not on the couple that they highlight, but you got to believe there. I mean, there there was countless tears being shed inside that arena. No doubt about it. Such an emotional thing. Even when Warrior walks out, he doesn't run out. Heenan mentions he's not running. Like, it just builds the tension. And you felt like this is so freaking important. Like, holy crap. Somebody's not going to be in WWF anymore. I mean, it was just really, really, you get so pumped up for it. Yeah, it, it was incredible. 
So we got one last match left on the list. I have a strange feeling that we're going to have the same match. What do you got? I was going to say, I went back and watched this this afternoon. And man, this is so good. And, and you talk about just the story around it, the match itself. You got a, a little more of that crossover appeal in this thing. And then what it really meant for the company going forward. And this is the the double turn. Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Bret Hart. Uh, which one was this at? WrestleMania 13. At 13, correct, sir. WrestleMania, lucky, good old lucky 13. Uh, this match had it all. You have Austin, just the crimson mask, refusing. Although, you know, at that time, it's, people are starting to, to lean towards him a little bit. Uh, the irritation at Brett. That's, you know, and you really have now at this point the company finding its its next evolution, hitting that next gear. Uh, I you know, A lot of people, you know, say, oh, the NWO, DX, those are the greatest feuds. Man, uh, Bret Hart versus America and the Hart Foundation versus America in the world. It, to me, it doesn't get any better than that inside of professional wrestling. And this is the core of that right here. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart, so damn good. He's probably the best storyteller in the business if you just go by the matches. He just laid out matches so well. All made sense. All logical. Like, okay, I'm going to turn heel. I'm going to get this guy over as a face. How do I do that? How do I manipulate the crowd? How do we kind of go forward and do this? And you could sense it. I mean, he's such a good control of not only himself and Austin, but the crowd. And it takes two to tango, and Austin is great as well. But Brett is the master. really is. And and. Austin blades in the match originally, as the story goes, no blood allowed. We're not supposed to blade. Brett basically said to Austin, we need blood in this match. We're going to make it happen. Brett supposedly blades Austin. It's hard to tell because he's so damn good. He basically tricks them and you don't realize that he does it. <laughs> so again, just like WrestleMania eight, just like when he fought Bulldog in 95, you don't even notice it, that he's doing it. Uh, Pat Patterson can't even tell Vince can't, nobody realizes what's going on. They got all these cameras all over the place. And this guy has been able to pull these things off and kind of even trick the boys in the back and like, wow, he's really bleeding or he's really got blood. You know, he really is hurt. Just what a great match start to finish. If it's not the greatest WrestleMania match, obviously we're doing the show. It's in the top five, but I think it's at least it's got to be in everyone's top two for sure. It just, it's just so well done. Story is so great. And I don't remember who it was. Somebody's like, Oh, they've never, never did the double turn before. If you go back to 88 survivor series, they did have the double turn with the demolition and powers of but pain. No, nowhere to this effectiveness. But, yeah. I was going to say, but it's, it was, it still worked and it was a double turn. This was like the double turn of all double turns. This was the mastery of both guys. Austin basically doesn't want anybody's help. He could barely stand, beats up the ref after the match. Just It was just like, wow, this guy's so tough. He passed out blood from a stone. He, you know, the whole thing with him bleeding to the, the close up, him passing out a sharpshooter, him getting up, doesn't want any help. Just the perfect kind of thing. We're like, this guy is one tough son of a bitch. And you're kind of like, wow, Brett won, but man, that guy's a dick. He's just perfectly executed, of course, if I could uh, use a pun. Even what, you know, what, com- what complements that, and you know, first first with Stone Cold, is this is really that birth of, you know, in the 80s, early 90s, you know, where Ric Flair is such a great villain 
but people, there's something about him, the, the jealousy, they want to be him. Yep. And, and this is the, the same case here with Stone Cold. Man, this guy is a total prick, but you know what? Deep down, because it, it's society and your your base of your wrestling fans, yeah, you know what? I do want to be that guy that can just go drink beer, that's going to you know flick everybody off, tell the world what I think of them. That's where your society is at right there, and they could they could buy in, they could relate to that, and, and that's where that love is. And then you see that toughness that Christmas you said. I mean, without the blood here, we're, we might not even be talking about this mm-hmm. uh, because that visual there, and more so, which kind of gets lost in this. Is you got Shamrock there, yep. the baddest dudes on the planet, and he's kind of looking at Stone Cold, even like, dude, this, dude, this, out, dude's, yeah. this dude's crazy. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're getting that from you know one of the baddest dudes walking around at the time, it's just that there's subtle things that that lend to the storytelling, and it was absolutely right here. I've heard some people would even suggest, well, if you're going to do this, you know, this is that double turn. Why didn't you have Austin win us? That that again changes how we would remember this thing you keep that heat on brett because yep. he's still at that next level he's still better than austin at this point and that gives you legs to keep moving forward perfectly booked just love the way it was executed just a great job all the way around brett is the master another a great Bret hard match and we're talking about some of the greatest WrestleMania performers of all time. Everyone says Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania. Undertaker with the streak. Brett had so many great matches and so many matches that were just above and beyond any expectation of what you would think a good match was. Macho Man, obviously one of the greats, had so many great performances. Steve Austin, so many great performances. Maybe could have had more if the injuries kind of didn't catch up with him. Just such a great WrestleMania player. But maybe the biggest and the best might have been the Hulkster, part of so many main events. If you go from basically one to nine, he's a part of the main event in each and every one of those in one way, shape, or form. So he was really the reason why WrestleMania got you know kicking in high gear and WrestleMania became WrestleMania was because of the Hulkster. But there's so many other guys and so many other moments, so many of these great matches that we named. They were just like, man, WrestleMania is important. WrestleMania is so kind of key to the lifeblood of professional wrestling. I saw a crazy stat on a meme yesterday. This will be the first WrestleMania since WrestleMania four that will not include one of the three Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, or Triple H. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's crazy. I I went back and started looking just to make sure it was accurate and sure hell it is. He figured Michaels, uh, WrestleMania 5, Michaels, WrestleMania 6, Michaels and Undertaker, WrestleMania 7, Michaels and WrestleMania 8. Yeah, so yeah, which it checks out. Yeah, That's right. Very, very true. Interesting that um, I also heard, and Triple H said it in an interview, Triple H versus AJ Styles was kind of thrown out there, and Triple H couldn't get in shape. Wow. So the streak could have kept going, but he couldn't do it. Well, that would that would have been interesting. He's too busy with his everyday duties and NXT and everything else that he couldn't get in shape enough to do it and give a WrestleMania performance. But he said AJ probably would have to carry him, which I could see him doing. I mean, I'm sure it'd be a pretty good match. Yeah, it's uh, that would have been interesting. But, you know, again, it shows the commitment, the dedication to his craft for Triple H. You know, as big as that could have been, especially when we're, you know, we're really at a WrestleMania here at 37 without that really... I guess edge in there, uh, but without that, just that big name returning for that moment. Cause we've had edge for over a year. Yep. 
So it's we, we don't have that, you know, that that usual just road to WrestleMania return. It seems like it's all about the brand, the WWE brand. That's that's WrestleMania this year. Not Undertaker, not the big names, no Goldberg. You know, they're they're just sticking with the brand. Yeah, and again, probably the the least excited that I've been in, in some time. But hey, it is WrestleMania week. You know, is we're sitting here on the Tuesday recording, getting geared up for to see what the NXT can, crew can do to get things going at, at Takeover. We got the Go Home on SmackDown, and then of course, we can bust on WWE being down right now with with creative and with characters. That's never a knock on the incredible athletes that they have. They do have some of the best in, in the world, and maybe some of the best they've had as far as just pure athleticism. But that doesn't always make a great superstar or a great wrestler. It doesn't always make great moments either. just want to also throw this out there. Maybe the greatest feud in WrestleMania history, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. You got WrestleMania 15, WrestleMania 17, and WrestleMania 19. It's funny. I, I was in a group text with a bunch of my buddies. I said I like 15 the best because I was first row for it. And the rest of the card stunk, and I feel like that match was great and really was just kicking in all cylinders for that match. I like 15. Pretty much everyone else said 17. They just love that match. I just didn't care for the finish. And then one of my buddies actually said he liked 19 just because he liked that finish and the passing of the guard and, and Rock finally beating Austin. So could be the greatest feud in WrestleMania history. Yeah, we, we got plenty of spinoff conversations to have. About. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost too many. Yes. Yep. So I feel like this is a, kind of a great way to kind of cap it off and, and end it for this top five WrestleMania talk. But man, if you just think about WrestleMania and all the different incarnations and all the different characters and all different moments that pop up when you just say WrestleMania, it's like, man, like, you, oh, WrestleMania, immediately you, your mind probably goes, oh, Hulk Hogan and, and Warrior Hogan and Savage, Savage and Warrior, Brett and Austin. I mean, it kind of goes all over the place and so many memorable things come to your mind. But really, when you say WrestleMania, you just think it's going to be an important Sunday in the spring. You know what I mean? You just think of like, wow, it just and it's really become a monster. So you got other shows when you when you have WrestleMania and it comes to your town, other shows pop up, whether it be Indies, whether it be Ring of Honor, AEW, even still they said they weren't going to piggyback. They're piggybacking. So New Japan is piggyback before. So everyone kind of realizes the importance of WrestleMania. You get people usually, maybe not this year because of the pandemic and because of COVID and obviously last year, you get people coming around from all over the world to this, not only for a day, but for a week, you know, they'll, they'll come in. But whenever you say WrestleMania, you know, it's the most important day or days of the year for wrestling fans. Uh, absolutely. You know, old, new, current, uh, those in the business, the crossover, you know, the great performances. That you know that or you know at you know other sports athletes, entertainers that have wanted to be a part of this, you know that they've contributed over the years. It, it truly is one of the just grand spectacles in the world of sports and entertainment, and it's something that our little group can be very proud of. No I doubt about it. Now RBV, before we kind of end this one, let's end it on a high note. Let's go with the plugs. What do you got? Well, of course, uh, you can catch me on air with the Hameen Media Group. It's just not me. You know, we have got probably just right up there in line with the great crew with the Russo brand. Uh, our veterans are unmatched. Uh, they're they're tr true and through, ring tested. They give you honest, real takes. 
they it, it's constructive criticism it, it's learning opportunities it's that learning tree you want to be under and i'm talking about names like ben hameen stevie richards strangler steve king uh chris silvio ted mcnailer rip rogers is with us it, it, the vet it, it goes on and on and then outside of that our hosts true professionals in the world of entertainment uh, so it's, it's high and it's it's high energy entertainment you can usually find us on podbeam at the hacker hameen that podbeam.com but unfortunately right now we are we are in a serious battle with some uh some current cultural censorship uh so you, you can you can search for us over you know give us a search in the google machine we're, we're not going to let them hold us down uh but yeah that is the hameen media group uh myself it's been such a great honor Throughout the you know 2021 to be working with the two man power trip, we've got a lot of great things going on over at the Patreon. We, we've got some hot hot shows getting uploaded overnight through the morning on YouTube. So we're gonna make sure that you want to follow all of that. But hey, if you want to talk wrestling or my, my true passion, I am a great foodie. Uh, love me, love me some uh, good old flavors of Americana, and that means deep fried and greasy baby you can follow me across all social media at the real rbv nice very good of course for me follow me on twitter and instagram at two man power chip check out the website tmptempire.com and like rick was talking about patreon patreon.com backslash tmptempire got a big big q a with vince russo coming up at the end of the month april 29th at 9 30 eastern just go on the legends tier on our patreon to check that out that's going to be some great stuff and we are inching closer to episode number 500 for the two-man power trip and it's going to be a big one wow. be, no doubt about it 500 episodes and that'll be coming up in a few weeks so a lot of stuff coming down the pike for the two-man power trip and gonna have more specials like this i feel like i mean this is this is going to be uh, definitely a regular thing that we will be doing here on the two-man power trip of wrestling feed so thank you everybody for listening and we'll catch you around next time enjoy wrestlemania this has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.